what triggered this bizarre behavior. Journey into the cold heart of northern darkness with Nordic crimes. That case uh, became like a scene from a horror movie. A new true crime documentary series that chilled the bone. The hunger for killing is increasing in the course of these homicides. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nordic Crimes is a part of the Acast family. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a prepaid debit call from... David. To accept this call, press zero. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hello, mate. We did it. Oh, yeah, we finally got it. There we go. Third time is a charm, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, sir. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. It's good to hear from you. How's your uh, How's your weekend been so far? It's been kind of up and down. Yeah, I had a phone out with one of my friends, and uh, you know, but then I had other good things happen too. You know, so I can imagine that uh, fallouts in, in that sort of situation can become bigger than what they probably would normally be. Things, uh, emotions are probably a lot more heightened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's even best years of friendship, you know. Well, I hope you guys get it sorted out. Yes, sir. That makes two of us. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. If this is, in fact, your first time checking out OMR, then... Welcome and thank you for stopping by. We have over 60 episodes for you to binge right now. And as a quick favour, I would really appreciate it if you enjoy the show, that you leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening to the show. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Now, with all that being said, let's get into a brand new case. Self-defence is defined at law.com as the use of reasonable force to protect oneself or members of the family from bodily harm from the attack of an aggressor. If the defender has reason to believe he, she or they are in danger. Self-defence is a common defence by a person accused of assault, battery or homicide. The force used in self-defence may be sufficient for protection from apparent harm, not just an empty verbal threat or to halt any danger from attack. 
but cannot be an excuse to continue the attack or use excessive force. The story of David Bomber is one, he says, of self-defence. He believed himself to be in danger and he acted upon it. This would result in a man dying from injuries sustained from David. He would then be charged and eventually convicted. My name is David Michael Bomber. I'm a, currently I'm a Virginia DOC inmate in the United States. I'm serving a 41-year and 60-day sentence for aggravated malicious wounding, second-degree murder, three counts of assault and battery, hit and run, and reckless driving. Aggravated malicious wounding and the second-degree murder both stem from a single act in the same person. How long have you served so far? This summer will be 13 years. And you're uh, how old, sir? I'll be 50 in June. But before we get into all of that, as always, we need to start at the very beginning. Originally, I was, I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, incidentally, I'm from the same area as where Eminem is um, from, the rapper. He's from 8 Mile Road, and I'm from 15 Mile Road. Coincidentally, I also lived in Roseville, and he also lived there. Not saying I knew the guy, but um, to give you a general idea of what part of Detroit I'm from. It's what they would consider the Warren side. Um, after uh, we moved from Detroit to Roseville, when I was about six, we moved down to Virginia. Lived in a small city called Roanoke. It's kind of small, about 100,000 people. But uh, for me, growing up, I don't know, I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family. I have um, two surviving sisters, and my third one's deceased. I'm the second to the youngest, and I also have a brother. Uh, my mother, he's passed away, and my father, he's still alive. But like I said, it's, it was a pretty dysfunctional family. Um, I guess you could say I was your typical mischievous kid. Um, I did well in school for a while and then finally just got tired of school. And So David's young life begins just down the road from the now famous 8 Mile. And my apologies, but the Omar budget doesn't quite stretch to affording the song for this episode. David says his life with his family was pretty dysfunctional and they weren't very close. He says his parents both apparently struggled with addiction. Yeah, my, both my parents were alcoholics. Um, there was no structure in the house. I mean, I basically learned life on my own. Like I said, we, we wasn't a close-knit family, which to this day we're, we're not. Do you still talk to your father? I haven't talked to my father since my uh, oldest sister passed away um, in 2014. Right, okay. The only person out of my family I'm in communication with is my baby sister. What age did you give up on school? The middle school I went to, basically if you could show that you could pass the test, they passed me through. So the 7th, 8th, and ninth grade, um, I kind of blew through it. I was an advanced student going into 7th grade. Yeah. So I was already kind of two grades ahead of myself anyway. So going through the 7th, 8th, and ninth, I was able to pass all that easily. I got to 10th grade, I just, I basically gave up on school. Kind of ironic because now I love learning. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go back to college again. As a young guy, David would find himself getting into trouble with police and even doing a couple of small stretches behind bars. I did get in a little bit of trouble with the law, breaking and entering, grand larceny, little things like that. Nothing. Nothing violent. Um, Did you ever spend any time in jail or in any prison of any sort? Uh, yes, I have done time before. Um, done the, uh, the boot camp program and I have been in prison for um, breaking and entering and grand larceny. Okay. And were they short sentences? Relatively. You had 20 months here. I did three and a half years um, on another one. How old were you when, when that happened? 
I went to boot camp, I was 19, then I got locked back up when I was 20, I believe. Um, that's when I did 20 months. Then I think I was 22 when I got the three and a half year sentence. So I was in my early 20s. Okay, for burglarizing places. That's correct. David mentions there that he spent some time in a boot camp when he was 19. Boot camps were introduced around the world, designed mainly to be offered to first-time young offenders as an alternative to a prison term. It's 4 a.m. and the first class of 2014 has arrived at the Miami-Dade County boot camp. In fact, here in Australia, in Queensland, the Premier at the time, Campbell Newman, announced that boot camps for young offenders would open in Townsville and Rockhampton in 2013. However, these camps were closed just two years later in 2015. These systems are quite popular in the United States. Boot camps have been around since the early 80s. Time served can be from 90 to 180 days. <laughs> There are 38 cadets on the bus, ranging in age from 16 to 24. We gonna do it my way, or we gonna do it my way? There ain't no other way. Understand that? They have all pled guilty to a myriad of crimes and face sentences of up to 15 years in prison. As the name suggests, these camps are run in a military-style format designed to remove young offenders from apparent environments filled with negative influences that produce reckless or self-destructive behaviour. However, these boot camps have come under heavy scrutiny over the years. According to the New York Times, there were 31 known deaths of youths in the US boot camps between 1980 and 2009. One of these deaths was sadly that of a 14-year-old named Martin Lee Anderson. Anderson died as drill instructors beat him and encouraged him to continue physical exercise after he'd collapsed. While he was unconscious, guards placed ammonia tablets near his nose in an attempt to revive him, and he would sadly suffocate. And and did you have an issue with drugs or alcohol or anything like that? Was that why you were stealing or...? No, basically when um, the day I turned 18, my parents kicked me out, and um, I didn't uh, I didn't know where to turn to and didn't know where to get help, so uh, I turned to crime. Yeah. Uh, it was a means to support myself. Then I guess around, I don't know, my mid-20s, I started straightening up some, and going into my 30s, I started getting more serious with life. I started taking college courses. I uh, started learning electrical work. Um, that was my trade for years. So David starts to turn his life around and get himself back on track and, in fact, would meet someone, get married, and would have two sons. However, he says this marriage was pretty rocky, and one of the biggest issues that they would have is that apparently his wife was committing welfare fraud during their marriage. One of the things my, my ex-wife used to do was, um, in the States here, we have a system, a welfare system, um, under social services. And what she was doing was going down to social services and getting welfare checks. And that wouldn't have been so bad, but the problem with that was the welfare part was dragging me to court and making me pay this stuff back when I was actually living in the household. Otherwise, what she was doing was she was committing welfare fraud and was claiming I wasn't living in the household. And so I had to go through a bunch of hearings over that, and I never really got it straight because the welfare system basically took the stance of, we don't care if somebody's going to pay this money back, even though I met with a fraud investigator and everything else. So that was one of our major issues um, in our marriage. I tried to make my marriage work for the sake of my children, and so we would go through these different 
catches with this going a quarter of this and that and other. And so it was a nightmare. Definitely caused a lot of arguments. Um, there was definitely a lot of animosity behind it. Um, so, so were you working during this time? I was. Um, uh, like I said, I fell into the electrical trade, and I was. Um, that was one of the things I ended up going back to college for to try to get my journeyman's card, get that done faster through the college. And I always had this philosophy: if you bring children into the world, you should take care of them. David and his wife separate, and he was actually in the process of trying to get full custody of his children when this incident would take place that would see him arrested. When we finally separated the last time, July of 2009, under Virginia law, you have, and when you have children involved, you have to stay separated for a year. Yeah. Bare minimum before you can even file for divorce. So I was, I was barred from divorcing her. And so we went through the custody battle. Um, the judge, because she had physical custody, he let children stay with her. And from that point on, it was about more or less proving her to be unfit. And so I went on this, I'm not going to take crusade, that's not the right word, but I went through all these different motions to show the um, the court. You know, I presented a bunch of paperwork uh, with the fraud and um, one of the biggest things, my oldest son, Damien, had a speech problem. And she was uh, court-ordered to take my son to speech therapy. And so I was constantly interacting with the doctors, and I was showing where she wasn't taking them speech therapy, she wasn't bringing the visitation, yada, yada, yada. And so I had all this um, in my armory when I went to court. And the only problem was that my case got um, continued. How old were your children when you got arrested? Damien was four, uh, or getting ready to turn five, and um, Aaron was three. It could be potentially suggested that this was a sliding door moment. Seemingly inconsequential moment that, nonetheless, would alter the trajectory of David's life. He says that had his court date not been moved, and had he been given custody of his children, he would never have been in the situation that he found himself in. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, David talks us through the incident that would see him stab a man in his home. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's June 5th, 2010 in Virginia. It's a sunny day and David is at his apartment complex. Seeing as it's a nice day, he decides to go and enjoy the complex pool. 
and that's where he would meet Larry Michael Worrell II. What happened was on June 5th of 2010, I had recently um, quit my, my server job I mentioned a little while ago and I went down to the pool I, had, I didn't get a chance to really enjoy the pool at the apartment complex where I lived at the year before so I went down there to try to enjoy the pool and while I was down there this gentleman named Mike came up to me I didn't know him but it turned out to be one of my neighbors um, at the same apartment complex where I lived and he come up and he introduced himself and then he offered um, they invited me over to have a beer with him so I was like, sure, why not? One beer turned to three, and three beers turned to six. And next thing you know, it was time to go pick up my girlfriend. And went and picked up my girlfriend from uh, her workplace. And when we went back to his place, his whole demeanor changed. Um, of course, me and Mike continued drinking. And I really didn't think nothing about it because I started getting intoxicated. And then uh, at one point, we left his apartment, went to my apartment, where my girlfriend changed in her bathing suit. And then we went to the pool, and the timing of the pool was, there's a lot of controversy behind that, about what time it was. Um, that's a whole different ball of wax. But in any event, we went back to my apartment. I want to say it was around 5 o'clock. And so we went back there, and then his demeanor just got even worse, and he kept on claiming that he had PTSD. And then eventually, Mike kind of just for lack of a better way to put it, he, he, he wigged out and he snapped and he put me in a chokehold. Um, threw me to the ground and choked me to the point where I was losing consciousness. And only thing I can remember was my girlfriend screaming that he's stopping going to kill him and he's screaming and cussing and talking about me killing me and killing the, my kids and this, that, and other. And somehow or another, I managed to, to wiggle out of this chokehold. And when I got out, I was disorientated and wasn't even sure which way to go, but you know, my apartment was tiny. And so I tried to get away from Mike and, and was trying to get my bearings. And then I heard my girlfriend say, uh, watch out, Dave, or something to that effect. And when I looked up, I seen Mike coming towards me and he looked irate. So I grabbed the steak knife off my kitchen table and um, uh, kitchen counter rather, excuse me. And I stabbed him once. I threw the knife, after I stabbed Mike and threw the knife, I took my shirt off of me and I com tried to compress the wound. And then eventually Mike would end up going to get his shirt um, after the, my shirt became so saturated. Um, I also tried to use a towel and when I seen that the first aid wasn't working, I, I, I went into shock. Um, and I started spazzing out, I didn't know what to do and started freaking out. Michael Worrell outweighed David by about 100 pounds, or around 45 kilos. He was about six inches taller than David and was a former Marine, serving six years in the Corps, earning the rank of Sergeant. He was also a former police officer. Michael is now in bad shape. He's been stabbed in the chest and is bleeding on the floor of David's apartment. What would happen next would be one of David's biggest mistakes that day. And my girlfriend... Um, made a suggestion that I leave. And so I listened to her like a fool. I, I, I took her car and I backed out. And when I did, I tapped my neighbor's car. Didn't damage it. And that's just where I got the hit and run from. And then I spit out my parking lot. And that's where I got the reckless driving from. And I ended up going over to a friend of mine's house about 20 minutes away 
And I basically had a nervous breakdown in her driveway. Um, I'd say for about two hours, I just sat in the car, uh, rocking and crying. One of my the, the friends that lived there came over and asked me what was going on. I really wouldn't even talk to him. And then eventually I would go down and um, fall asleep on the couch. And that's when the police arrived and they arrested me. Um, I, I, the, uh, they found my bloody clothes and you know, my, my, my buddy's wife had called the cops because she found the clothes. and didn't know what was going on, so she called the cops. So as David says, he sits in the driveway of his friend's place for some time until he eventually will go inside, take off his bloody clothes, and he ends up falling asleep. Now, I know what you might be thinking. How does someone go and fall asleep after they've just got into a physical altercation with someone that's resulted in them stabbing a person? But let's not forget, David had consumed a lot of alcohol on this particular day. So, he would end up getting woken up by a police officer who subsequently would arrest David for malicious wounding. When they arrested you, did they were they aware of the stabbing that had happened or did they just turn up because your friend's uh, partner called them? By the time they arrested me, it was a couple hours later, they was well aware of the stabbing, they was well aware of who I was. Um, so, yes. And like I said, she initially called because she found all my clothes, um, my bloody clothes, my shorts, my shoes, things of that nature. Michael Worrell was transported to the local hospital in a critical condition and would be taken immediately into surgery. He would survive the surgery. However, around two weeks after it, he would suffer what's called a re-bleed. Doctors would inform his family that he would likely not recover. Just over six months later, Michael would pass away from sepsis. Sepsis occurs when chemicals released in the bloodstream to fight an infection trigger inflammation throughout the body. This can cause a cascade of changes that damage multiple organ systems, leading them to fail. So David's initial charge of malicious wounding would be upgraded to aggravated malicious wounding. And would now include second degree murder. But that's not all, as we now need to in fact hit the rewind button, as David would eventually be charged with not only the aggravated malicious wounding and second degree murder, but also be given three assault charges, as well as hit and run in Keller's driving charges. But why? It's while down at the complex's pool area for the second time that day that another incident would occur that would see David handed three assault charges. He talks me through exactly what happened. So when you say there's conjecture over this whole pool time, what, what, what's the conjecture around the whole pool situation and the time of that? The three assaults, um, first of all, I want to start out with Usually in, in, in Virginia or in the United States, somebody is charged with a crime, right? Whether somebody goes down to the magistrate or whatever, 
managed to tell the master, hey, so-and-so did this, a crime has been committed, and, and a master issues arrest one, right? Or somebody calls the cops and the cops arrest somebody. And indictment's a totally different animal. And so that's the reason why I want to point this out is because I was not charged with these assaults. I was indicted on them, two of them six months later. And then on the third one, I wasn't indicted on it until ten months later. The first indictment, uh, assault and battery indictment, I got indicted for picking up a toddler. I didn't spank the toddler. I didn't harm the toddler in any kind of way. All I did was pick up a toddler without the mother's permission. While we was at the pool, one of the things Mike's expressed to me was he was not good at talking to women. So I tried to play the role of wingman, and I said, pick out somebody you want to try to meet, and I'll see if I can introduce you. So I headed over across the pool. If you ever saw the picture of this pool, it's a very small pool. I want to point that out, too. But in any event, I walked to the other side of the pool, and I ran into this girl named Tammy. I didn't know her, but I found out later on her name was Tammy. And before I reached her, her toddler ran in front of me, and I'm a kid person. Um, and the, the, the child started pointing to the pool like she wanted to go in. I picked up the toddler. I asked the mother if I could pick her toddler up, and before she had the chance to even answer, I picked the toddler up and offered to put the child in the pool, and her mother said, no, she don't know how to float. The only thing I was going to do was dip the child in, into the, her feet into the pool. But anyway, her mother expressed to me that she didn't want me to put her child in the pool, so I ended up putting her um, child down. According to Tammy, the mother, she said that she had to forcefully yank her child from my arms. She said that my girlfriend came running over there and started screaming at her, and I had backed Tammy up against the fence to the point where her head was hanging over the back of the pool, uh, over the fence at this pool. The description there is my girlfriend, she didn't see me back her up against the fence. She said that she felt helpless. And matter of fact, she didn't help ask nobody for any help. But supposedly this happened. The other contradiction is this girl that lived across the street from me named Chris. She said that um, she witnessed me talking to Tammy, but in her own words, she didn't see me back Tammy up against the fence. Matter of fact, she didn't even see Tammy yank her toddler from my arms. The only thing she said was she seen me talking derogatory to Tammy. Well, according to Tammy's testimony, I never said anything derogatory other than that she was pretty. And that was in reference to what Mike had thought. So, oh, and by the way, Chris said I pushed her. And then we left. According to Chris, this, this incident happened five minutes before. And Tammy said between 10 and 20 minutes before, the ambulance showed up at my residence. Okay. What's so interesting about all of this was the guy's car that I hit. He was at the pool with seven people. His wife, their two children, their two friends, and their two children. And he said he didn't see anything unusual at the pool other than he heard me hit his car. Like I said, I didn't even, I didn't even do any damage to the guy's car. He just happened to hear a loud pop. And he turned around and looked and seen me driving away. Only time he ever, he ever saw me was around in the parking lot. This is his testimony. So that's why I said there's a lot of controversy surrounding this, um, around these alleged assaults. And keep in mind, like I said, I wasn't indicted on it until months and months later. Okay, so it's fair to say this is a little bit confusing. So I want to do a quick recap to make sure we're all following what's going on. 
So David is at the pool for the second time that day with his girlfriend and Mike. Mike has suggested to David that he's not great at meeting women, so David offers to help introduce him to someone. Mike points out a lady at the pool that he seems to like the look of, a lady we now know as Tammy. David says that he walks over to Tammy. As he's doing so, a toddler runs in front of him in the direction of the pool area. He subsequently would pick up the toddler and ask the mother Tammy if it's okay for the child to go in the pool, to which she says no. So David says he puts the child down. This would be classified as his first assault charge because the toddler's mother Tammy would claim that there was actually an altercation at the pool as David did not place the child down and she had to forcibly take the child from him. She says David would then become aggressive, moving towards her and backing her up against a fence. Another witness, a neighbour named Chris, would say that she didn't see any physical altercation as such or that David had pushed her against the fence, only that she apparently witnessed David speaking derogatory towards Tammy. Yet David says in Tammy's statement she never mentions anything regarding this. So he's suggesting that these witness statements just don't match up. Further to this, both Chris and Tammy's timing seems to be out, as Chris would say... This incident took place just five minutes prior to the ambulance arriving at the complex, whereas Tammy would suggest it was 15 minutes prior. There was then another witness, this man who was at the pool with his family. He's the guy who owned the car that was struck when David drove out of the driveway. He sees this, but he says he didn't see anything other than that that was unusual at the pool that day. So essentially none of these eyewitness statements seem to match up at all. And again, these charges were only brought up six months after the original incident had happened. David says that he believes it was the prosecutor trying to destroy his self-defence case by building this narrative that he was obviously in an aggressive state of mind that day prior to the events that would occur in his apartment. It does seem odd to me that this has all happened six months later when the charges are brought, because... Yes, I'm no detective, I'm no police officer, I'm a guy who's listened to and watched too much true crime, but if something as serious as a stabbing has occurred at an apartment complex, I would have thought the first thing that police and detectives would be doing was door knocking on all the other apartments to talk to people and see what they had noticed. And if these assaults had occurred at the pool that day, surely those statements would have been taken that day or even the day after and charges would have been brought then. Why did it take six months for those charges to be brought against David? We got a minute and 20 seconds left or so, um, and I'm I'm out of calls today. They limit us on, they limit us so many calls per day. Oh, okay. Fair enough. You have one minute remaining. Would you like to continue this tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's call me again tomorrow, same time. Okay. Perfect. All right. Sounds All right. good. It'll be between, it'll be between um, 6.30 and 7 my time. All right, mate. Well, you have, a, you have a safe evening and I will talk to you tomorrow. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. And that's all we have time for. But coming up, David's been arrested and charged and while in custody... He would find out that his girlfriend had claimed to the 911 operator that Mike had in fact attempted to kill himself. And David's attorney tries to arrange a plea deal. He says 
without his knowledge. So I got stuck with a quarter point turn and I actually was going to fire the guy. Next time on One Minute Remaining. One Minute Remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Produced, hosted and created by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This show is part of the ACAST Creator Network. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.